0: Let's start with prayer today, and uh, let's just jump right into the Bible. Father, thank you for what you're going to do this, this morning. Uh, I pray, God, that your Holy Spirit would lead me and guide me and direct me. Uh, I thank you, God, for the, the grace that you're going to give uh, each one of us as we hear the word of God. And thank you, Lord, that you are still on the throne, still working. And, and, Lord God, I pray that uh, you allow us to hear truth the way you want us to hear truth. And I pray these things in Jesus' holy and powerful and awesome name. Amen. So we're glad to have you today. And uh, we're going to continue in our series, The Lies We Believe. And uh, the lie that we're going to deal with today is this. My sexual choices aren't hurting anyone. Yeah, did he really say that? Yeah, that's what I'm going to talk about today. So I need to give you just a, a little bit of a disclaimer. This is a PG-11 message. So if your kids are a little bit younger than that, you might want to give them some Legos or whatever you do. And, uh, but don't tune out because I really think that this is something that in our culture is very broken and very apart from God. And I, what I really want to do is really create a, an idea in your life of what that looks like what God's will looks like and uh, before I start telling you what I'm going to say today I'm going to just say this I wish that I would have known what I'm going to say today when I was 16 years old because it would have saved me an incredible amount of heartache and disruption and pain in other people's lives and in mine as well so we're going to just jump right into it And uh, I want to, I hope you all understand how twisted and how broken our culture is when it comes to people's identity, when it comes to people's behavior, uh, and in particular with their sexual practices. The bottom line is, is that all you have to do is look around and you can see how many marriages fail, how often alcohol is used to to, as, the, as the medication of choice to, you know, to kind of soothe the issues. We lived in a twisted culture. And the reason for that is that Hollywood has sold us a brand new worldview apart from the Bible. And we have kind of bought into that worldview. And it, Hollywood has twisted so many things. They've, they have shaped our feelings on violence, on revenge, of creating our own truth, but in one in particular is the idea of sexuality. So let me start by saying that sex is a beautiful thing invented by God, a gift from God, and as we approach it from that concept, it is the most fulfilling gifts that God has ever given to humankind. It is an amazing blessing and gift from God. There are two extremes when it comes to people and their sexuality. First of all, there is promiscuity, there's that side of the equation and then there is rigidity that side of the equation on neither of those ways are God's ways. So I just want you to open your heart up today and, and really say God speak to me maybe you're a grandparent and you're going well Pastor Dan uh, gosh um, what are you talking to me about this for because I'm thinking you got, you've got grandkids that you're going to influence and and this is for everybody it's for everybody to understand. So promiscuity on one hand rigidity on the other hand where does God fit in all that that's what I hope you're going to see today and I think I'm going to show you something maybe brand new that you haven't seen from scripture at least for some of you today so let me begin with this story there was an eight-year-old girl who went to her dad who was working in the yard and says daddy uh, what is sex and uh, he thought well she's eight years old she's asking the question I probably should tell her so he proceeded to tell her all about you know you know the birds and the bees and all that stuff and and uh, when he was finished he spent about five ten minutes when he finished his daughter's mouth was wide open just staring at him and uh and so he says well why did you ask me that question and the little girl replied mom told me to tell you the dinner would be ready in just a couple sacks And so here he went off on this this tirade and I'm just gonna say that we're gonna deal with that up close and personal. So let's start with this verse. Hebrews chapter 13, verse number four. It says, "Let, let marriage be held in honor among all. Let the marriage bed be undefiled for God will judge the sexually immoral and adulterer. That is such an important verse of scripture. And I wanna just suggest that in this passage and in several others we're gonna look at today, I believe that there are four lies that we believe about sexuality. Number one, we believe that sex is invented by God for a recreational purpose or a recreational activity. That is not true. Sex is, an, although there's great joy in it, I'm, just, I'm not saying that, so, so don't, don't turn me off there, it, but it's not intended just to be recreational. Sex is, a, is an, this is another lie, sex is an isolated event meant to meet my needs. That is a lie sex is a mutual expression of intimacy sex is just physical that is also a lie and if you are committed to each other it's okay the fourth lie and this is the lie that's prominent in our culture uh, if we're committed to each other it's okay god forgives of course he does god pours grace out it and this is what we've discovered here at grace church that that uh in our pre-marriage department we we've discovered that about I'm not throwing anybody under the bus, so don't try to figure out who's recently got married. We've discovered that about 80 or 90% of the people that go through our premarital counseling here at Grace Church are in a physical relationship outside of the boundaries of what God would have for their lives. And so uh, when I thought about this message, I said, to, I said to God, you know, can I just teach on something a little less controversial? And uh, God said no, and so here I am. Here I am just doing what God wants me to do and here you are doing what God wants you to do, and that's listening to what God has for your life. Amen? Do I have an amen out there in TV land? Awesome. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 says, Run from sexual sin. I didn't say that. <laughs> God say that. Smile at me, by the way. God says that. Run from sexual sin. No other sin. This is so interesting. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does, for sexual immorality, immorality is a sin against your own body. God says this doesn't just wreck the people around you. There's something that happens inside of you when you practice something outside of the boundaries of God. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price so you must honor God with your body. If you are a Christ follower, if you've come to that place in your life where you have stepped over the line of faith and you have said yes to Jesus, this is what you need to know This is what you need to understand. This is what this verse says. The context is sexual purity. But let me just say it all. Let me just say it to all. You at that moment in time forfeited your rights because the Bible says here you were bought with a price. Now you belong to God and your only obligation right now, your obligation is to honor God with your body, with your body in every way. So let's talk about the why. So this is a pretty harsh command, right? So here we are, Pastor Dan's out there, and it's kind of awkward, and he's telling you about what the Bible says, and you're going, why is he telling me this? And I'm saying, I don't know, but let me tell you why. Let me tell you why God says it, because I think that's really what we all want to know. This is the only sin that says you sin against your own body when this happens. So something happens when it is... Practice outside of the boundaries of God's intent. There is something that happens to you physically. That's what that verse says. And the Bible doesn't say what it is. So anything that I would say is just speculation, but I'm going to speculate a little bit and then you can draw your own conclusions. And my speculation is not the Bible, it's just what I think. And so here's what I'm going to say I believe that even unbelievers have. The, the will of God on their conscience, they, they understand. Their, God has written the law of God on the heart of all men, and we either have to reject it or receive it, and, and that's how we draw close to God. As unbel, that's, how we come, that's how we come to faith as unbelievers. And so when you are an unbeliever practicing that particular sin, there's something that has to happen inside of you that is destructive to you, and that is there has to be a hardening of your own heart. And so every time that happens, there's a wall that's built up between you and God. And it's the only way for you to survive because you know innately, you know innately because God has written it on your heart, you know innately that there's something destructive about it. And so I'm going to suggest to you that I, I don't know if that's all it is. There may be something more, but I know there it's at least that. And so there's something else that I want you to see. And most importantly, marriage is a covenant that is patterned after our relationship With God. It's a covenant of intimacy. So I want to show you a passage from the Old Testament, just read it to you. Malachi chapter 2, verse 14 says, Because the Lord was witness between you and the wife of your youth, to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion. Now watch this next phrase. Listen to it. You can't watch it, it's not on the screen. Listen to it. And she is your wife by covenant. So marriage isn't just a contract. Marriage is a covenant that's patterned after our covenant with God. That's what this particular verse says. A covenant can be defined as follows. This is how I would define a covenant. It is a chosen relationship in which two parties make make binding promises to each other. It's not a contract. These are binding promises to each other. Covenants in the Bible had signs associated with them. So let's just unpack that for just a second. So what is the sign of the marriage covenant? I could give you, I'm gonna show you a couple other signs in just a minute, but let me just just kind of speak it out. The sign of the marriage covenant, covenant is the actual act of intimacy between a husband and wife. In other words, the Bible regards sex as a covenantal and thus marital act. There is many examples of this in the Bible. Let me just show you one. In Genesis chapter 24, verse 67, this is what the Bible says, Isaac brought Rebekah into the tent, not to play Monopoly, and took Rebekah, and that means he wasn't just holding her hand, took Rebekah, and she became his wife. The act of mutual intimacy became the sign of the covenant between him and his wife. It was, a, it, was an act of, it was an act of spirituality. It was amazing. So like the rainbow is the sign of the covenant that God made with Noah. You remember that story where God uh, takes Noah, puts him in a boat destroys the whole world takes the animals starts over with mankind because of the debauchery of man's heart because of the evilness of man and then he gives Noah a covenant and he says I'm not going to do this like I've just done it anymore I'll never do that again and he says this is how you're going to know you're going to know by the sign of the rainbow in the sky every time it rains you and I get to walk out and we get to look at this beautiful rainbow and we get to say ah God is faithful to his promises. That is an amazing thing. Like the rainbow is a sign of the covenant God made with Noah, sex is a sign that God gives to marriage. That's why it's not just a physical act. Sex is a sacred and holy thing. Listen to this very carefully. It may not be sacred and holy to you, but it is sacred and holy to the living God. And that's how we need to see it. That's what the Bible says. Sex is not just a physical act, it is a spiritual act. Something happens in the physical act of intimacy that happens nowhere else. That's what God's word says. So that is why the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 3, God's will is for you to be holy, to stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and an honor because it's a sign of this amazing covenant that God has with us. So with that in mind, let me just stop with, just do a little commercial here. You know, I love God's grace. And chances are about 95% of the audience that is listening today that's over the age of 18 has probably violated God's word at some level, some way, somehow, somehow. If that's the case, then there's a really great remedy for it. It's called God's grace. You just come before God and say, God, I have violated one of your precepts. Please pour out your grace and forgiveness of my life. And that's exactly what he does. And you, and I would say that, listen to me carefully, if, if uh, that's how you started your relationship with your husband and your wife, you just simply go to them and you say, hey, uh, I know this is an awkward conversation, but Pastor Dan says I should have it, so I'm going to. Uh, Would you forgive me for violating God's word in a way that I shouldn't have? I mean, that is something that restores marriages in a way that is very powerful. And I just want to say, I want to remind you of something. If you look at marriages today, they are broken. It's not just because we don't know how to talk to each other. It's because we violate the precepts that God gives to us in his very word and so I want to say that one of the ways that you can begin the process of mending a broken relationship is beginning to stand on the platform that God would have you to stand on and if you're here today and you're single not here today but if you're listening to me and you're single I'm just going to say understand it's not just a physical act it's not just to meet a an emotion it's not any of that there is something sacred and spiritual about this that you have to understand that's the why that's the why so I hope that I've convinced you that okay, I I need to keep myself pure, whether I'm married or unmarried. I need to I need to be a vessel that's pure before God, and God has created marriage to satisfy needs, and, and that's an amazing thing. We're gonna to get to some practical principles in just a minute, but I just wanna say, I want to say to everyone who is married for just a minute, this is a beautiful act. This is awesome and it should be practiced regularly inside the covenant of your marriage. And if you want to know whether you're practicing it enough, ask your partner and listen. Are we we having intimacy on on a regular basis in your mind? And just listen, because you might get a different response than you think. You can say thank you later, man, I'm just saying. So let's go back to the message. That was free, okay? I'm just saying that was all free. And now we're going to talk about some practical stuff. So, okay, Dan, you've convinced me that I should probably stay pure until marriage and and in marriage I should stay pure. So how do I do that? How do I do that? Because you and I live in a sexually perverse world, right? You understand, we live in a sexually broken world where everything, everything that should be right side is upside down and you cannot, we live in a pornographic world, we live in a world that, you are, that, you know, that sex has been idolized and it, it, it is broken and it's put into a place where it's not supposed to be. So how do I live for God in a sexually broken world? I'm glad you asked that question. So let me give you just a couple things. First of all, you make a commitment to God. That's where you start. You make a commitment to God. Psalm 119, verse 9. This is what the psalmist says. How can a young man, a young person, stand on the path of purity? By living according to your word. You don't. You can't live according to his word if you don't know it. So you need to to put the word of God in front of you every day. Believe it or not, by putting the word of God in front of you every day and by thinking about the word of God every day, it creates a different platform for you to walk on when you're walking through life. The second thing that I think is so important for everybody and in particular men is simply this. You need need to make a commitment uh, to guarding your mind you need to manage your mind because that's where it begins you need to manage your mind this is what Romans chapter 8 verse 5 says those who are dominated by the sinful nature think about sinful things every sin originates in the mind those who are dominated by sinful nature think about think sinful things but those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit think about things that please the spirit so it begins in the mind. You need to practice the presence of God. That's what this verse is saying. You focus in particular on your love for God. There is no other way. Focusing in on your love for God and his love for you is a way of controlling the heart. The, your love for others and, 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 and gaining God's protection. God protects my heart from wandering to all places it could wander in this world, sexually insane world when I focus on him when I focus on him what is the only thing in nature that travels uphill faster than it comes downhill you know what the answer to that is it's fire it's fire there are some things that are so volatile and dangerous that no matter how careful we think we're being we dare not draw near that is the nature of the danger posed to us by sexual temptation it's proverbs six twenty seven. listen to these words this is so important This is in the context of someone who is an adulterer. And it says, can a man take fire in his bosom, in his chest, and his clothes not be burned? It's dangerous. So I've got to manage my mind. And then the next thing I need to learn how to do is I need to seek to be healthy. I need to seek to be healthy. I need to to have a healthy mindset. And so I I came across a really fascinating study this past week that uh, i want to just tell you about and uh, i think there needs to be more study in this this area but it kind of talks to you talks to me about the fact that it kind of validates what god's word says so the study was this simply this it, they utilized mris and sought to examine the brain functioning of people who were who are cohabitating together and people who were married and they did it through stress induced things so what they did is researchers administered to both sets of women, they had two sets of women, they administered to both sets of, of women a small electrical shock in the ankle. And then the person had several choices to make. They could, if they were married, they could they could grab the the, the hand of their spouse or they could grab grab the hand of a perfect stranger. And this is what they discovered is that when married women grabbed the hand of their spouse that uh, what happened was is that at the deepest level in their brain functioning there, there was the, the, the measurable activity went down. So it was pretty powerful that when a married woman grabbed the hand of her spouse she calmed down. They also took people who were living together, not married, they were living together, and they administered the same thing. They could could hold the hand of a stranger or they could hold the hand of someone that they were cohabitating with. And this is what they discovered in the test, that holding the person's hands made absolutely no difference in the amount of excitement or lack thereof in in the mind it was fascinating researchers concluded that while cohabitating women say they feel commitment from the partner doubt resides listen to this doubt doubt resides in the deepest part of their brains that's interesting doubt resides in the deepest part of their brains that is a fascinating study and what it does is it validates that the bible knows exactly what it Says, knows exact, God knows exactly what we need and the Bible is true. For, so principle number four is magnify God in your body. 2 Corinthians chapter seven, verse one says, because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit and let us work toward complete holiness because we fear the Lord. Let me read that to you one more time. 2 Corinthians 7.1, because we have these promises, dear friends, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or spirit and let us work towards complete holiness because we fear the Lord. The bottom line is this. If you really understand who you are because of Jesus, you'll find true freedom only when you're living out that identity as a child of God. Meaning, living completely for him, heart, body, and soul, because you are chosen, not forsaken. You understand what he wants, that he wants purity for you because that's what's best for you, because you are his child.